Hello, beautiful souls. You're listening to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and angel medium, Julie Jancis. As this episode airs, we are in the midst of COVID-19. Friends, this is tough stuff. There is discomfort and frustration for some, loss and grief for others. And while we're not here to minimize anyone's pain, in the midst of all of it, there is also beauty, love, grace, and compassion in the coming together, kind actions, and rebuilding. We can all see so clearly now that what impacts just one person on one side of the world can impact everyone everywhere. We feel oneness and empathy for one another like never before. This is a massive shift, a global awakening. Allow it to shift and awaken you. Know that as you do, we're here for you, to pray with you, to share your stories, to shine some light, and to help in any way we can as you heal. If you'd like to work one-on-one with me, book a distance session, or take the Angel Reiki School online to develop your own unique spiritual gifts. If you want to hear, feel, and connect with your personal angels more clearly, take my online Angel Communication e-course. Your angels want me to tell you that you're going to be okay. They want you to put together your own spirit team here on earth, a team of people and resources who can help you in every area where you need support. And we hope that you'll make us a part of your earthbound spirit team. Thank you for being here. Thank you for letting us be part of your healing journey. Now let's dive into the show. Friends, in today's episode, we're talking about some pain triggers that have been resurfacing for me since COVID-19 started. And what I want you to know is that there are a lot of coaches and spiritual teachers out there who try and and have this philosophy of if they're perfect, then they can teach from that place of perfection. And I've even seen it within the community where people want people that they're going to, that they're working with to be perfect people too, right? That priests or preachers or, or spiritual teachers or healers or, or counselors or therapists or doctors any person who is living and breathing on this earth, my friends, is in the place of duality, just like you are. And being in the place of duality means that no matter what your age, no matter where you're at in life, that you will always have to continually do your work to keep that egoic mind at bay, to keep it from sabotaging you, to keep growing within your life. And if anybody else tries to tell you otherwise or tries to tell you that they're perfect, that they have been through it all, that they know it all, run. Run, run, run. And if you're one of those people who expects that the people that you work with are going to be perfect, Please don't, because you're setting yourself up to be disappointed. And I want within our podcast community to change the script, to change the philosophy. I first heard it over on 
the That's Not How This Works podcast where I think it was Trudy and Weez were talking about, you know, what you want to see from your coaches, from your therapist, from your spiritual teachers is that they are doing their work too. That they don't believe that they have to be perfect, that they are paying to work with other people who know so that they continue to grow more and more and more in their skills. And so that's what you're going to hear me talk about today, that I'm not perfect, that I am continuing continually growing and that sometimes pain triggers that I have worked through in the past resurface. They can resurface for anyone, anytime. It's one of the strategies the egoic mind uses to sabotage our growth. So we're talking today a little bit about weight, my weight in particular. And I think it's important for you to understand where I'm coming from on this because I don't look at any person and judge based on size. Uh, that's not how my mind works, but I do deeply judge myself based on feeling like I'm doing my work on my physical body or I'm not. And since COVID-19 started, I have not been in the gym. I haven't been lifting. I haven't been doing different things. And I don't feel great. I don't feel great. And my friends, I love the This Isn't How This Works podcast. Uh, I love Weez. I'm going to be taking her class that she's got coming up starting uh, July 15th. But she says, you know, that she works out a lot. Uh, she's a fighter. You know, she she punches and she says, you know, you can't just expect to not train and be where you want to be. You can't expect to not take the supplements that you want that are going to help you get to where you need to be. And my friends, there is so much that I have done working on my perspective of myself and how I feel and taking care of myself. But COVID-19 has stirred up a lot within me. And I want to get back into taking action for myself so that I feel better. And that's what we dive in in the, the later half of the podcast today. Hope it's not triggering for anyone, but in case weight is a trigger topic for you too, you now know in advance that we're going to be talking about that. Okay, let's dive into the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Dr. Sasha Hines. Dr. Hines, you are a master at positive psychology, and I am just so excited to talk to you today because there's so much going on in the world right now, and I think that you can help shed a lot of light. Well, I think I ended up becoming a coach because I felt that I had my master's in positive psychology, but not wasn't necessarily a master of... <laughs> positive psychology. <laughs> I, I needed to help myself implementing what I knew. Well, let's talk about that. Okay. And for everybody listening, I'm so sorry. I apologize. If you hear ruckus in the background, it's summer. Um, the kids are playing and there's actually construction going on in my house right now. Let's dive into Dr. Hines, your background. Tell everybody a little bit mm -hmm. more about you. So I actually didn't study psychology in college. I developed my interest in psychology and self-development and personal growth after I graduated uh, because of stuff that was going on in my own life. And I was trying to solve my own issues 
things that were, you know, not working for me, kind of hit the skids in college. And then began this journey of really trying to change habits, patterns, um, self-destruct, you know, sort of self-defeating behaviors, things that weren't working for me. And it was the first time that I think I'd ever really intentionally, I think I'm probably fairly goal-oriented by by temperament, by nature, but but nonetheless, it was the first time I really put intention into it in a way um, that was pretty new for me. And I loved this idea that my life wasn't over once I had graduated from college. You know, that that there's something about those early years of our life that they're so codified. There's a codified system of development that we are all put through. And then you're released into the real world, you know, then you're now you're an adult. And all of a sudden, that progress and that pathway to evolving oneself isn't as clear. And can, you know, for me, as someone, I think I, you know, I really like having structure feels good. I think structure feels good to the human brain in general. And, and so, so that sort of, I felt a little bit lost and my interest in this work really began then, you know, in my early twenties and then became a professional student, (laughs) became an academic. (laughs) Now that is awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, Do what you love, right. And what you're passionate Mm -hmm. about. What I did is actually, I I looked at your online profile because of everything that's been happening over, you know, the last month, month and a half. And I really want to have guests on the show who are willing to stand up and fight for what's right in this world. And I saw you doing that. So I want to just say thank you for standing up and thank you for using your voice. What I see happening right now, though, in the spiritual community is that there's kind of two camps setting Mm -hmm. up. There is this camp of just let's pray and let's love and let's light and let's, you know, stay in high vibration and let everything work itself out. And then there's this camp of spirituality that is, you know, let's act Let's take Mm -hmm. action and let's not just pray, but pray with taking action creates change. And I see so much of that within you and your work, that piece of action it's required Mm -hmm. in order to get yourself where you're going. For example, I I run an angel Reiki school where I teach people how to connect with the other side, how to bring through messages. And I had uh, the most lovely, lovely student. And she came to me and she said, you know, I'm not getting clients. And I said, well, how are you putting yourself out there? And she said, Mm -hmm. well, I'm praying. And I said, that's awesome. That's so great. Now go out and do some marketing, you know, like now Mm -hmm. go out there and create some business cards and, you know, get yourself in front of people. You have to take that action step. Do you see that too in your work? Because you are so action based. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I I definitely don't lead with woo. I lead with science and I, I think all of this work is very evidence-based and grounded in, in cognitive science and, and positive psychology. And there's many um, fields of, uh, there's a lot of robust research behind the work that I do. However, I, you know, I do think that there is this, there's an element of the transcendent in the work that I do. 
I don't know that anyone can, there was a moment when the veil drops, right? When someone can see, oh my goodness, my thoughts, the way that I'm thinking about this, the way that I've learned to think, the patterns that I've, uh, you know, of thought that I've developed over the years are creating my experience of reality. And there's that moment, you know, and sometimes it's often, it's many moments, but there tends to be sort of this one moment of, oh my goodness, I see it. I see it for what it is, this sort of veil drops. And I do think that there's an aspect of this, of this sort of spiritual awakening that, that is, you know, a part of it, you know, I, that's, it's hard to, they're, they're inextricably linked in my opinion, but here's the thing that there is no growth without movement, right? We cannot grow and develop ourselves without putting our hand to the wheel in some sense. And the reason why I think it's so important that we all actively do the work is my liberation, your liberation. And I'm talking about liberation from a psychological, emotional, spiritual perspective. They are linked together. As you liberate you, I liberate me, right? We do this together. So you can't, you know, part of it is like, holding hands. I mean, we're going to do this together. We're all, you know, your freedom is linked to my freedom. And that's a, to me sort of how I think about doing the work with all of my clients that as they're growing, so too am I. And the reason that we don't want to take action really is because it doesn't feel good. You know, it doesn't feel good to for your client who's saying, I'm praying again, really amazing to connect to your higher power and to feel that you are a part of, you know, something bigger than yourself, that there is a deeper meaning. There's so much research on the importance of believing that you're a part of something than you. There's robust research that that's correlated with people that are um, happier, (laughs) however you want to look at it, you know, that that's so important. However, that is not going to create the results that you want in your life. It's not going to create the outcomes that you want, right? That is you ha- the leap of faith is I'm willing to feel embarrassed. I'm willing to feel disappointment. I'm willing to feel, you know, shame or frustration or whatever the, you know, emotion is, a difficult feeling. I'm willing to feel that in order to create the life that I want to create. And that's where most people stop. They just don't want that experience. They really, when it comes down to it, they're like, you know what? <laughs> Let me just stay in my small little corner because it's so much more comfortable here. And it's not really comfortable. Most of those are little, small, little lives feel terrible. That's what my clients say to me, right? They're stuck. They say, I feel stuck. I'm in Groundhog's Day. I've been living the same, same problem, same life, same issues for years. I'm tired of it. I'm bored with it, but it's very familiar, right? And so, that any change is going to require passing through those really uncomfortable feelings. And that to me is, you know, that is what I focus on in the work that I do with my clients is like, okay, this is, it's not a really lovely sell. Like work with me and feel like crap, (laughs) right? (laughs) That's what's going to happen. But there is no other way to do it. Yes, yes, it's it's us doing our work. And you know what spirit was showing me the most beautiful 
picture as you were talking and they were saying, you know, just as you were saying before, as we free ourselves, you know, we're freeing everyone else too. As Mm -hmm. we rise, they rise doing the work within us. And it reminds me of that saying, we're only as good as our weakest link right in the chain. Um, But what if we look at that vibrationally as individuals within ourselves, that we have high vibrations within us and low vibrations within us. And in order to create resolve within those lower vibrations and create that change that you want in your life, you have to work through those lower vibrations. We can't sweep them under the rug. We can't hide them away. They're going to come back out at some point. You have to move through them. And in seeing those lower vibrations as maybe our weakest link, but that doesn't feel right. That doesn't resonate. We're just doing our work to to become who we want to be. And isn't there so much research too that says the brain needs change? I don't know that it, that the brain needs change as much as the brain is constantly changing. There is no minute, second, nanosecond, there's, you know, it doesn't exist. You're constantly in a process of change. The question is, are you in the passenger seat passively, you know, kind of on this passive trip, or are you in the driver's seat directing and steering the direction of the change? But change is happening nonetheless, like from cradle to grave, we are, we are in a process of decay, guys. We're all on a terminal bus ride here. Yeah, this is is a fact. (laughs) Our counselor that my husband and I have gone to for the last five years always says the same thing about marriage, too. I mean, everything that is alive is decaying. That includes your relationships. So if you want them to grow together, you have to continue to feed them and water them and nurture them to continue them growing together. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the, it's the default mode is decay, right? The default mode is, you know, kind of like devolving in and, and into what, you know, entropy, right. Sort of like chaos. So if you are passive, that's what's happening. So, you know, you're either in the passenger seat or you're in the driver's seat, but do not kid yourself. Change is happening every minute of every day, your life is changing. And the thing that's so interesting is that we underestimate, we overestimate how much we can change in the span of a month, two months, three months, which is why most people throw in the towel because they feel that they're not making enough progress. But we very much underestimate the amount of change that we have over a decade. You know, how radically different not only our lives can be, but our personalities and how we express ourselves, that these are not immutable fixed traits in the way that we think they are, because, but they may be uh, within a shorter time frame. But if you look at your life over the course of 10 years or 20 years, right? So different. I don't even relate to the person I was in my 20s. Yeah. I don't, I'm like, who is that person? I mean, I have empathy and love for her, yeah, she was really messy. Yeah. <laughs> she had lots of problems, but I don't relate. I can't even true. I mean, I can remember cognitively how hard things were, but I definitely in you know and how sort of imbalanced I felt. But I can't really relate to that anymore. I, it, I, it's not you know I don't share that visceral experience. I'm a completely different person, and I would say for most of your, you know, audience, if they're thinking about it, the same would be true for them. Mm -hmm. 
So how do, I know you have some tips for people on how you really create that lasting change within your life. And I know that you, you, I want to also kind of dive into as well, you focus on positive psychology and, and yet there's times in our lives that just aren't positive and there's mm-hmm. days in our lives that just aren't positive. And I would even go as far to say as every day you have ups and downs where some Absolutely. parts are good and some parts are bad. So, so what does positive psychology mean to you? I know I'm asking a lot here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the tips that you have to making that change while staying in that positive psychology cycle? Right. So Positive psychology doesn't mean we're only focusing on being positive. Positive psychology is just a fe- it's just a branch of in the, within the larger field of psychology that focuses primarily on, you know, what the positive end of the spectrum and that's, you know, a loose definition, but what the causes and correlates of happiness, well-being, optimal human functioning and it really grew out of this overemphasis on dysfunction disorder and disease that you know the the research in the field of psychology was primarily focused on what's wrong with people you know and what they're not doing right when things go wrong whether that's whether when development goes wrong when there is an acute psychological problem and personality disorders, et cetera. And that's what, you know, most of the research was focused on and very little was looking at, I mean, thinking back to the sixties when Maslow and and I think even further back, like William James, and then you have this long tradition of philosophy of people thinking about how does one live a good life? What does it, what does it mean to, what is a meaningful life? What's a valuable life? Um, How does one live? What are the you know, sort of like the codes of ethics or the, you know, the moral uh, sort of rules of life that I want to aspire to, that this was part of one's education, was an education in how to live. And psychology sort of veered toward, okay, we're just going to study what go, when things go wrong. And in the, you know, since the turn of the millennium around 2000, there was this new sort of rebirth of research and interest in the stuff, the work that William James had been doing in Victoria, you know, the turn of the century. And then uh, Maslow in the sixties of self-actualization, what does it mean to evolve and to grow into one's potential? What is the human, what is human potential? What does that even mean? Um, When we see people doing extraordinary things, extraordinary talent, extraordinary kindness, extraordinary generosity, you know, extraordinary curiosity and ingenuity, right? We see people doing exceptional things that there was this growth of research and interest in what's happening here. You know, what, how can we understand this? And so in my mind, positive psychology just gave it sort of right it sort of righted the the balance of research and interest sort of like okay we we're we're the whole human experience is not just when things go wrong it's yeah. also when things go right you know there's there's these peak experiences that human beings have moments of just you know overwhelming joy overwhelming love trying to, and uh, transcendent experiences these sort of like quantum leaps where people have a awakening and they all of a sudden they live their lives differently. They got interested in, in the sort of, you know, that other end of the spectrum. 
That makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Thank you for describing it that way. So when it comes to creating this change in our lives, what tips do you have for the listeners on, okay, you're going to go through this. And like you said, it's not going to feel good and you're going to want to quit. And, and when you get to that point, how do you keep going? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a lot of research on this sort of base, the ratio of positive to negative emotions. And it's really actually important to cultivate the threshold. And this is research by Barbara Fredrickson, but the threshold is really three positive experience, emotional experiences to one negative. And I don't love the labels of positive and negative because I think then it, it makes people assume that negative is bad, positive is good. No, positive really to me means expansive. Those are expansive emotions that promote perspective, creativity, connection, um, and openness. And negative emotions, and I'm using air quotes, is what an emotion that feels more constraining, but, but it's useful, right? It's very useful to have an emotion that constrains your focus when you need to act very quickly, right? So if my child is in the middle of the street and I see a car... I do not want to be questioning the meaning of life in that particular moment. No, I want every single cell in my body to be laser focused on getting my child out of the street, right? So it's, I think it's a real misnomer to sort of label them positive, negative. We can call them like expansive and difficult or expansive and uncomfortable or constraining, but nonetheless, they're both important. But you want the reason we want to cultivate a higher ratio of positive to negative is that our brains are biased to prioritize negative information or, you know, threatening information. So we have to offset it by cultivating a higher ratio of positive, you know, experience or emotional experiences to, to negative ones, but not allowing because then the negative is not bad negative to me is growth like i think about my daughter with growing pains you know and my my kids are growing and they say their legs are cramping right right, right? i call them growing pains i have, this is totally unscientific i have no idea that's what i was told when i was a child i'm like they're growing pains it's probably something from the 50s i have no idea but anyway as she's growing right she has these cramps in her legs and so that's how I think about our growth in the same way, which is it's just a signal that something's changing. It's just a signal that I'm growing. I'm getting bigger, right? I'm, go, I'm growing out of an old pattern. I'm growing out of something that felt familiar into something new and it's not bad, right? It's, it's just, it's what is. And so the minute we start to want to avoid that difficult or uncomfortable feeling, we get stuck because so much of our dysfunctional, unhelpful behavior, and everybody has them, everybody engages in them. We drink a little too much. We eat a little more than we need to. We blow off exercising. We watch more, you know, TV or Netflix binge more than we want. Like everybody has their thing that they do, right? But the minute we're avoiding those uncomfortable feelings, right, then we're, we get stuck. So the work in my mind is, is welcoming. If you're willing to welcome those feelings and allow there to be this like the proper balance, you're like, yep, an uncomfortable feeling is part of the deal. It's part of what it is to be human. If we can just experience it for what it is without resisting it, you know, to me, that's growth is you're on your way right? There's nothing you can't go after. There's nothing you can't change or accomplish. 
That's so incredible. And it's so wild because that goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. There are two completely different camps of thought being set up right now. One that is preaching from the spiritual point of view, just stay in high vibration and joy and love, just stay there. And you can't, you physically Mm -mm. can't in order to create change within your life you have to go through that discomfort. So, okay. So yeah, if you're staying in only high vibration, you are not, you are not living in reality. Yeah. You're not engaging with reality. You're not committed to reality. Right. And that commitment to reality means that you're going to see something, hear something, recognize something that is going to make you very uncomfortable. Right. I've inadvertently hurt somebody. That does not feel good. Right. I am engaging in patterns that are not serving me and are not getting me where I want. Facing that and actually looking at that, taking a hard look at that, that does not feel great. Right. But that's when you're committed to reality, then you can change. And I think this is so important to address because they've seen people over the last month on social media say, but that's the spiritual way is to just stay in joy. And you're spiritual if you're just in this joyous emotion all the time. And what I really want to convey to the listeners is not only is that not true, but it's so hurtful because it's creating this ideal of perfectionism in a different way that everything has to be perfect. I mean, we're just transitioning it with different words and different terms, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I think I call this when people play, um, <laughs> they're playing whack-a-mole with their thoughts. So like, Oh, I had a, you know, I had a negative thought, so I better have a positive thought. And they're like playing this game of whack-a-mole all day long. I'm like, it's exhausting. It's an exhausting way to live. Right. It's just recognizing that, um, because if, if you feel that you must stay in this positive place all day, it's a, essentially you're afraid of your humanness. Like, let's not be afraid of our humanness. Right. 100%. So I want to dive into my humanness more with you. Okay. So I know that that, uh, you talk about eating disorders and I I want everybody listening to know I'm actually just asking you for advice on this here. I don't look at any person and size judge, right? I think you, there are all different sizes that are healthy. I am just talking for me, for my experience and to kind of just present this to anybody who's listening, because I've heard so many of my friends say, oh, Julie, I gained, you know, the COVID-19. Right, 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 right. (laughs) And I'm right there with them because, man, it was hard to be an empath and go through all of this energy since March. Mm -hmm. So I have been eating to comfort, you know, my emotional vibrations moving through me. And I find myself being like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to start and I'm going to do good. And it's so subconscious at a point where you're just hungry. And I find myself, you know, having eaten something and then catching that I'm in the act of eating and, and it does not feel good to get up and exercise. So I have not been doing it. And It's not about weight. Like it seriously isn't. I mean, I could be at this weight and be completely happy and love myself. It's about the fact that my grandmother has diabetes. Her feet swell up huge Mm -hmm. 
and she has terrible, terrible problems with her feet. And I watch her life quality and I don't want to be there because out of all of the grandkids she has, my body type fits hers the most. I know that you yourself have, have worked with eating disorders before. And I think that it's an eating disorder to kind of eat your feelings and overeat, which is really something that I find a lot of people who are very empathic doing that that's Mm -hmm. their vice. So I know you is Nike slogan, just do it, but there's not enough for me. there. No, 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 no. I mean, I think that you, the, you know, all of our behavior really the seed of it is from a thought. So we have a belief system, then that thought creates an emotion and the emotion then motivates or prompts our action. There's this sort of think, feel, do cycle. So to change our behavior, the biggest mistake that we make is we want to just attack the behavior. Like I just need to do something different. There's truth in that, but it's not the whole truth. It is in order to create lasting behavioral change, we first have to have a change in mindset. We have to believe something different. So there's just a a number of different thoughts that you just threw out there. You're in your mind, you're like reporting the weather to me, you know, you're, or you're Walter Cronkite reporting the news objectively. (laughs) I have the, of all the grandkids, I have the body type that's most like my grandmother. And I'm thinking, Ooh, okay. That belief right there, when you believe that, that probably does not create an expansive emotion for you. No, no. Yeah. What is it? Like it makes me feel like I have Mount Everest to climb ahead of me because she struggled with this her entire life. And you know what? So really the thought that you have is I'm going to struggle like my grandmother struggled. This is my, I'm going to, this is my struggle too. I'm looking around at all the other grandkids and I'm, this is my, going to be my struggle too. So when you're telling yourself that this is going to be my struggle, what's the emotion that you feel? I, I have a very vivid thought of, and I memory Dr. Hines of being in third grade, looking around at the other girls in the Mm -hmm. lunchroom and saying to myself, I'm the fat kid, you know, like I, I am the heavy girl and Mm -hmm. it takes me back to her every time I have that thought. It feels low, very, very low and shameful. Right. Shameful. Right. So you have this feeling and I'm I'm sure there's two different emotions. Like one is this thought like that I'm, one is the thought of I'm the fat kid, which feels shameful. And then this other thought, which is I'm in a struggle like my grandmother struggled, which probably feels. Oh God. And then all these other thoughts. Helpless, hopeless, anxious. Yeah. What does that create for you when you think you're going to struggle? It creates this literal train of thought that goes to a new thought that says, and your husband isn't going to love you. (laughs) Right. Of course you're going to, all of it is always, there's always the existential threat that we're going to be, you know, kicked out of the of the group, right? Or of the tribe. Like that's what we all think is this is what our primal brain is telling us. Like you're going to get rejected and you're going to be alone, naked, you know, in the Savannah and no one's going to be taking care of you. And this is, you know, this is very threatening for the human brain because we thrive in community. That's how we've, that's how we've survived. So it's very, it's, it seems illogical because we, it's 2020 and but it isn't. It's this is sort of an ancient, the ancient part of your brain feels threatened on some level. So, right, you have these a few thoughts that create, you know, shame, 
And then that feeling of the thought that, oh my gosh, I'm going to struggle like my grandmother struggled probably creates some sense of either anxiety or helplessness, right? And when you're in that emotion, when you're feeling those emotions, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you do? What are the actions that come out of those emotions? I go to the cabinet and I pull out something to eat. Yes, <laughs> of course. Of course. Like I'm think about this as a, you know, this is how your brain operates, right? So you have this thought, which is I'm, I'm okay. I was the fat kid. I'm always going to be the fat kid. Like there's this part of your brain that still believes that believes that sentence. Then you feel shame. And what do we do when we feel shame? I eat. Totally. Shame is a hiding emotion. It's a, it's like, we want to retreat into the turtle shell. So whatever anyone's turtle shell is, that's what you're going to do. So for you, that's your duvet that you're hiding under is food, right? So then you go into the kitchen and then the result that you create, the action is you go into the kitchen, you eat. And then the result that you create is you. Oh yeah. Well, and it affects everything because, you know, I would love to be on social media more, but I find myself going to take a video and being like, that's not a good angle. (laughs) today." (laughs) Right. But this is like, what I want you to see is that you have this thought and the, the, you know, the thought then generates this emotion of shame, right? Like I was the fat kid. I'm going to be the fat adult. 100% 100% right? fat woman. I'm going to be the fat grandmother, like yeah. my grandmother. This is your thought. This is what your brain is giving you. Right. And then you feel shame. Yep. And a whole host of other emotions, but let's just stick with the shame for now. Okay. And then you go to the kitchen and when you're feeling ashamed, you go to the kitchen, you eat. And then the result that you create is what? Continuing the pattern of just. Yes. Food. Yes. And then you don't make any change in this area. And so then your brain is like, see, told ya. Here's right. the evidence. Yep. But all that's happening is that you're playing out this thought loop. So the, the, instead of, I'm just not, because it's so interesting. One of the things you said, you said, I mean, I always, I tell myself tomorrow I'm going to have a good day. Yeah. I'm like that thought is toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you've now created this dichotomy between, you know, I'm either having a good food day or a bad food day. So the second you have a bad food day, then what do you do? You beat yourself up, you criticize yourself, which then of course creates a whole, all of that criticizing creates emotions that don't feel good, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Self-loathing doesn't feel awesome, guys. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it does not feel good. <laughs> and then you, what do you do? Then the actions that we take is we try to self-soothe in mm-hmm. some way, right? And the self-soothing is, oh, but there's this, you know, a pastry in the kitchen, I'll have that. Or like, let's rummage through the freezer and see what's in here. Let's go through the pantry, right? Yeah. Because it releases dopamine. The hunt for that food in the pantry releases dopamine. It feels, but in the moment it feels good, right? But we're, the, what we're doing by rummaging through the pantries, we're trying to solve the problem of feeling terrible. So the work is not in the action. The work is in changing our thoughts. Like it's possible that you're not going to struggle like your grandmother. That's, it's possible that you just made that up yeah. because she's your grandmother. There's a lot of other genes at work here. That's true. You share very little genetic. You do, you, you don't really share very much with your grandmother. That's true. And you know, 
<laughs> just thinking about this for the first time, all of my other grandparents and my parents don't have that problem. Exactly. So now all of a sudden, right, you have this thought where you're like, I'm going to struggle like my grandma, panic, 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 right? Beat yourself up, criticize yourself, all the things, as opposed to, wait a minute, what if I just made this up? What if this actually, this is just a sentence in my brain and that it's actually not true that I'm going to struggle like my grandmother struggled. That's just not my story. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can start actually asking yourself useful questions like, what would it look like for me to eat in a way that doesn't feel like a struggle all the time? Mm. Okay. So now we can actually have a real conversation with about real solutions. What if eating in a way that makes me feel good was easy? I think we all have this assumption that it's so hard. What if it isn't? What if you loved eating in a way that made you feel awesome? I mean, as you said, right? It doesn't have anything to do with the weight. It has to do with how you feel about yourself. Yeah. Right. So then, then it becomes this sort of experiment where you get to pay attention to, okay, what am I eating? When did I eat? How much did I eat? Did it feel good? Does it not feel good? Do I feel energized? Do I feel tired? Right. Then you're on now, you're on a journey of actually exploring and discovering what works best for you. Yeah. I love but it's that. very easy for you to go unconscious and just say, oh gosh, you know, panic. I'm going to be like my grandmother. Right. But that's you on an unconscious record. That's your unconscious record playing. That is not you being present in your own experience. That's you living in your grandmother's past mm -hmm. and your grandmother's experience. Do you feel like I, I know my thoughts in my head. I know them very well from all the work that I've done on what thoughts are newer thoughts and what thoughts I've been playing out since I was in third grade. Mm-hmm. The thoughts that we've been playing out since third grade, is this just a construct or is there any science to that it's more ingrained in us if we've been thinking it longer? Is there more subconscious energy there if we've been thinking it longer? Well, I mean, just you've certainly had more practice with it and you, it's shaped your identity, right? But here's the, I think what's so fun about this work is when you really begin to realize how malleable your identity is, your identity is nothing more than the thoughts you think about yourself. They're completely flexible. And which to me is enormously hopeful because I don't have to believe the same thoughts that I believed about myself a year ago, not, you know, no less 30 years ago. I don't have to carry those thoughts around with me anymore. I'm, I'm not, th those thoughts will still be there in the same way if I was to say to you, Mary had a little lamb. Yeah. There's no way you're not going to say that word. Right. I mean, you're not going to think like, oh, is it Mary had a little, you know, Ow. microwave or <laughs> hairbrush? No, everybody knows it's Mary had a little lamb. Even if you haven't sung that nursery rhyme for 20 years, it's still a part of your mental construct in your brain, right? The word that follows Mary had a little is lamb. Everybody knows this. Okay. No, it's just, we've been, t we were taught this. So for you, your brain's going to say like, oh, you're the fat girl or whatever it is that your brain offers you. And instead of wrestling with it as if it's something real, you're like, no, that's just what I was taught. Just like Mary had a little lamb, which isn't real either just made up sentence. So is I'm always going to be, you know, my weight's always going to be a struggle, right? Or I, I looking around, you're like, I'm the 
I'm the fat girl and I'm going to be like my grandmother. I'm the fat grandchild or whatever it is that you think, right? So when we don't wrestle with it as if it's something real, like right now you're like, oh, I have to wrestle with that because that's the truth and I need to fight it. Like, no, it's just a sentence that you made up when you were in third grade. Yeah. And if you just allow it, you're like, I hear you. I know that's what you want to tell me. It's not true. Something that I made up when I was nine based on the limited evidence I had and my not fully formed brain. Yeah. Right. It's like when your brain offers you that, you're like, I know, I know this is what you want to, this is the pattern. This is the recording. I'm just going to let you be there. But today I'm committed to eating in a way that makes me feel great. Right. It's like the, it, when we get into this chess match, when we get into the, you know, the, quote unquote, bad thought. And then the quote unquote, good thought. And we're now, now we're in this, you know, epic battle in our brain. It's very exhausting. Right? When we begin to realize that all of our thoughts are very malleable and we just made them all up. Mm-hmm. So just letting it be there. It's like, that's, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. Right. How does, how does ADHD play into this? Tell me more. What do you mean by that? I'm wondering if those who have a lack of frontal lobe activity have a harder time or struggle with this more than those who are more cingulate focused who are able to have a higher function of their their frontal lobe. That's interesting. I actually don't know the science on that. I don't know if there's actually research that's been done. It's a great question. What I would say is that I think people that have a not their brain is not neurotypical they can do a thought flood in lightning speed. So exactly what are you ADHD? Cause you just did yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you just gave me one thought and you're like, well, this one thought leads to these 20 thoughts. Yes. Right. So you can like, you're off to the races very fast. It's probably, you know, it's one of your strengths, but also one of your very um, weaknesses. Right. 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 <laughs> it's like, it's your kryptonite and it's also your great strength. Like all the same power. time. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. So for you, this is what I think, you know, writing down, I mean, this is what I t- train my clients to do is do a, what I call a schematic. So, you know, there's an acronym that I use to help them take their thoughts and put them on paper. You know, schema is just sort of like a, a, a slice of life, how this belief system is playing out. So it's really helpful to write it down to slow, especially for you, slowing your brain down to look at, okay, when I tell myself, you know, I'm, I'm always going to struggle with my weight when that's the sentence in my brain. What, what do I feel? What's the emotion I feel? And when I feel that emotion, right, the thought, the emotion, and then what's the action that I take when I'm feeling that, you know, what's the action I take when I'm feeling that emotion? And then what's the result that I'm creating when I do take these actions, right? And I use the acronym STEER, it's spelled wrong, but S-T-E-A-R, so that you're thinking about like steering your life, right? What's the thought that's steering the car? And then when you just slow down and take a look at it, normally it's very helpful. When you begin to see, when you're objectively looking at like, okay, whether or not this thought is true is actually irrelevant. This thought creates terrible results for me. Yeah. It's just unhelpful. It, It creates the result that's the opposite of what I actually want. So let's, maybe I can question this thought. It's it's so funny. We want to hold on to our crappy belief systems like they're our little lovies. Our little safety blankets. Yeah. We're like, don't take it from me. I'm like, it's destroying you. You're like, please don't take it from me. (laughs) It makes no sense. But this is what we do, right? It feels very threatening. 
it's so wild that you put it that way because spirit brought this thing through to me where they said, you know, instead of, you know, going in, they said it in this way, go inside and feel what you're feeling and address the feeling and attach it to what the thought is in your mind that's creating that vibration within you. And then they said, you know, I've talked about this before on the podcast, then decide what do you need to do? Does something need to be done? Or is this a time where nothing needs to be done? I think the the part that I was missing there was go deeper into the undoing Mm-hmm. of the thought, really challenge the thought, look at the thought on a completely another level in order to see, like you said, I mean, if you just change all of those different statements, I love and so resonate that one, what would it look like if eating wasn't a struggle? Yes. Like who would you be? What would what you would do? It, what would it look like if I loved creating meals that I love to eat? Mm-hmm. What would it look like if I loved, you know, working out in different ways? Yeah. What would it like? Here's the thing, really, when you sort of think about it, what would it look like if you loved putting the fork down for the last bite? Mm. That's totally possible. Yeah. Right. We all have like a little mini death, a little mini grieving session, you know, when the plate's finished and then we want to go rummage through things so that that last bite isn't done. But what if we actually enjoyed that? there was that we did the work to actually love the ending as much as we loved the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. These are, these are useful questions because your brain wants to solve problems, but we just give it the wrong problem to solve Mm. right now. The problem that you're giving your brain to solve is that there's something wrong with you. Yeah. So your body, your brain's like, Oh, let me find all the ways that there's something wrong with you. And it's going to give you lots of ideas It's not going to feel good, right? It's like, let's give your brain a problem to solve that's going to get you the result that you want, which is how can I learn to love to eat in a way that makes me feel good? Okay, now, now you're going to give your brain something that's useful to solve. How can I learn to love exercise? What could I do that would make it really fun for me? That would make it feel energizing and awesome. Now your brain's going to go to work on that problem. Right? We just, we give our brains the wrong problems to solve. Most of the problems that we give our brain to solve is like, we're broken. <laughs> Something's wrong with us. Can you show me all the ways? Like, and then we, our brain's like, oh yeah, you're broken here. You're also broken over here. And it's going to give you lots of evidence for why you're broken. That's what your brain's doing. Because <laughs> that's the direction you're giving it, right? Yeah. yeah. 100%. 100%. Like, yeah. Show me how I suck. Okay, great. And your brain's off to the races. Like, you know, right. So, you know, but the work is always changing our behavior is really first about changing our thinking. Changing and from a spiritual perspective, I think that, you know, often some of this change can feel so overwhelming. So this is where I think the prayer is very useful. It's asking for help, asking like, help me change me into someone who isn't criticizing myself all day long, you know? open my eyes to new solutions. Show me how this is wonderful. Show me how um, taking care of myself and exercising isn't punishment, but it's actually something really, it's a joyful part of my day. And you can ask, you know, I think that there is, I, you know, I am a, a, a spiritual person and I have a pretty active spiritual life. And th- this sometimes when I feel so stuck, I'm like, I, I just, my lovely little neocortex cannot solve this problem, right? Sometimes it's about 
the act of surrendering it to a higher power. Like I'm just giving this to you because I can't, I, I can't solve this. I love this. You are absolutely amazing. Dr. Hines. Thank you so much. I want to give you a chance if you have any final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners. And I also want you to let them know where they can find you. And do you have the book out yet? No, I'm working on it right now. That's my uncomfortable feeling. (laughs) That's my uncomfortable emotions that I have to work through. (laughs) And who's the motherly energy on the other side? The motherly energy on the other side? Yeah. Is that grandma? Oh, right now? Yeah. Oh, probably. Yeah. I had, I had two really wonderful grandmothers, actually. Very different. Were you close to mom's mom? My mother's mother died when I was 12. But yes, we, she was a very sort of central part of our life. We had, I, I had this sort of leave it to beaver childhood where we had breakfast at her house every Sunday morning, actually. Yeah. She, she's holding up your book on the other side. Like I can see it. I didn't even know that you were writing a book, but she is talking to me about the book. I don't know if you're worried about taking the picture for the book, but she says you look gorgeous and I don't know if you're wondering about the book cover. Are you putting your picture on the front because she wants you to? I wasn't planning on that, but yeah. Oh yeah. Any, any way for me, you know, for, I mean, just in full disclosure to get totally honest. Yeah. Putting myself out there. It's been excruciating, excruciating. I, you know, Every single step of the way, sharing my story, putting my work out into the world. Oh, it, it always does not. I mean, I think, think oh, that looks so, mm, it's real, does not feel good. feels like <laughs> you're know, jumping off a cliff. It. <laughs> it feels like you're jumping off a cliff every time. Yeah. She wants you to know, though, that, that your cover looks magnificent. And she wants you to not be scared of putting yourself on the cover. That's what, uh, cause she keeps showing me the book and there's you before we go. I just want you to know too. She says that she held, do you have two girls? Mm-mm, I have two kids, but one, just one girl, one girl. I feel like she held both of them on the other side, but I feel like your daughter's very empathic like you are. And I feel like there's a special energy bond between the three of you where she looks out for for both the kids, but she takes extra kind of care as almost like a guardian on the other side for your daughter and you. Awesome. Well, this is so fun. I mean, I could geek out about this stuff all day long. I love talking about and helping people change their lives. It really breaks my heart. I think, you know, when I see you know, one of the perks of my job, the you know, I, I actually love this is that I see people bring their truth to me, and I see what's really going on. And everyone, I don't. Everyone talks about the curated life on Instagram. Like, does people curate their life in the grocery store? Right? They're not coming to you and saying hi at the grocery store, you know, with what's really going on in their life. You know, they're saying like, oh hey, everything. How are you? Great. Everything's great. But the reality is everybody's struggling with stuff and everyone has deep insecurities and wounds and trauma and beliefs about themselves that limit them and limit their their future that need to be worked through. So, you know, when I, it, that's what I, my, my heart like breaks when I see people that have such a capacity to do incredible things in their life and then are just locked in this prison of their own making. And, and the way we construct those prisons for real reasons, right? Because someone said something to us when we were a kid or someone treated us badly. You know, someone 
was abusive or someone violated a boundary or whatever it is, experiences happened that you, you saw something that was as a kid, right? And it created a belief system that is sort of locked you in place. So we construct these prisons and, you know, the, the process of breaking free of them to me is just the most exciting thing in the world. Yeah, 100%. Dr. Sasha Hines, thank you so much for being on the show. Tell people where they can find you online. Yeah, so I am, uh, my website is Dr. Sasha Hines, so D-R-S-A-S-H-A-H-E-I-N-Z.com. And then on Instagram, same handle at D-R Sasha Hines. Um, that's as far as I've gotten with social media. <laughs> I, can just do, I can just do one at, one at a time. Oh, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. So we'll include those also in the show notes below so that everybody can find you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be on the show. Oh, it was so fun. Thank you so much. Of course. Hope you have a blessed day. Oh, you too. Thanks. Friends, if you'd like to hear from your angels and loved ones on the other side, book a one-on-one session via phone, FaceTime, or Zoom. You can also work with me one-on-one when you register to take the Angel Reiki School online to develop and use your own unique spiritual gifts. If you're just looking to be able to connect with your own personal angels, the Angel Communication online course will teach you how to hear, feel, and connect with your personal angels more clearly. Friends, if you get benefit from this podcast, please subscribe, rate us five stars, and ask a friend to listen. Don't forget to look in the show notes to see the winner of this month's free drawing. You're entered into the drawing when you write a five-star positive review and email it over to us so that we know how to contact you when you win. Now, if you have time, I want you to pause and do some energy work with me for a moment to lighten, clear, and reset your own energy. To start, I want you to take two deep breaths. Deep breath in. Deep breath out. Deep breath in. Deep breath out. Friends, as I walk you through this, I want you to use your imagination as an energy tool. Friends, your imagination isn't something that's not real. Your imagination is what every human being uses to create physical reality. How does a painter know what to paint? How does a sculptor know what to sculpt? How does a writer know what to write? They see it all within their mind, within the imagination, before it flows through them and is created within physical reality. Friends, I want you to start by seeing yourself surrounded by thousands of angels. These are all angels that work directly for God and they circle around you. They have this light, airy, warm, yummy presence to them. And my friends, they are simply pure love and they radiate their love from their being to yours. I want you to take a moment to just breathe deeply in and out as you see and feel the presence of all of these angels surrounding you, sending their love and light energy to you.
friends, next I want you to see yourself surrounded by your loved ones on the other side. Your angels haven't gone anywhere, they're still right there, but now steps in your loved ones on the other side. Greet them, welcome them. Take a moment within your imagination to give them the biggest hug and kiss. Friends, as we do this healing work together, I want you to see that every single being that is surrounding you is just surrounding you because they are connected to God and they want to help you as a soul here on earth to lift your energy, to make it lighter, to take any heaviness out of your aura, chakras, and body. In order for them to help you with this, what I want you to do is voice to them. See yourself in your imagination telling your angels, your loved ones on the other side, God energy of course is there too. Tell them what you are afraid of. I want you to be specific and explain your fears to them now. Now friends, I want you to see your loved ones and angels on the other side comforting you, holding you, wiping away your tears. I want you to see them telling you that you're going to be okay. Your family is going to be okay. I want you to see them showing you in their way from the other side that they are there helping you every step of the way and that they will never, ever leave your side. Friends, I want you to see or feel God energy, this pure white radiant light pouring down from above over you. And as you feel this pure love and light, this gentle waterfall just pouring over your head, filling your body, filling your auric field to the outside of you, filling every inch of your being around you. I want you to feel that as this light energy comes in, the highest vibration that is as it gently pours into your being, I want you to feel how all the heaviness within you just releases. With the snap of your finger, 
God takes every ounce of heavy, low vibrational energy within you. And with that snap of the finger, God turns all of it into the highest vibration, love, light energy. Friends, I want you to imagine within your imagination your DNA strand. Now the way that spirit shows me the DNA and what it looks like is if you could imagine that double helix and that within that double helix are millions or billions of doors and windows. And those doors and windows open and close and as they do, some serve your highest health and good some do not. What I want you to do is say this prayer with me. My friends, this energy work does not have to take a lot of time. You're going to hear me say, use the snap of your fingers because within that snap of the fingers, your intention shifts the energy within your body. So you can say it, but please believe it. Know like you know like you know within your heart that you are changing the energy, the frequency within you to be pure, complete health. So say this little prayer with me now. God, please close all the doors and windows to my DNA that don't serve my highest health. With a snap of your fingers, see those doors and windows close. And God, please open all the doors and windows to my DNA that do serve my highest health. See those doors and windows open with a snap of your fingers. What I want you to do now is see yourself healthier than ever come September of this year. Daydream, visualize about what that health looks like and feels like to you within your body come September of this year. Take a moment to do this work right now and I'll come back to you with my voice in one minute. Friends, I want you to believe like you believe like you believe that you, your family, your friends, you are protected. You are safe. You are secure. Your angels are looking out for you. God is looking out for you. Your loved ones are looking out for you. See yourself as healthier than ever come September of this year. Now I want you to pray with me for a moment for everyone else. God Please protect our nurses, doctors, and all healthcare professionals around the world. God, may you give each of them strength and protect them. God, please also protect all people who work in grocery stores, food service, or delivery. God, may you give each of them the strength and protection that they need. 
for all people who are suffering from COVID-19 themselves. God, may you take care of them and heal all who are able to be healed. Surround them with your divine protection. Surround them with angels and help every cell within their body to become completely 100% healthy again. God, for every person who has lost a job or had their income reduced, please clearly show them the path to healing, safety, security. Whisper to them in their hearts the direction that you would have them go. God, for every child on this planet, please help them to receive the attention, love, nurturing, and care that they so desperately need. God, please surround them with angels and allow them to feel the divine presence of your love and warmth. For those filled with hatred, God, we ask you to transmute that hate within their hearts into love energy, and we ask you to open up their hearts to make shifts and positive changes to help them raise their vibration. And everyone who is helping with the COVID-19 effort or response in some way, God, please be with each person who needs your strength. Clearly guide them and protect them with whatever they need at this time. Friends, finally, I want you to visualize Thanksgiving of this year. I want you to take a moment of silence to experience this daydream within your mind. See every single family member and friend and loved one there at the dinner table. See them happy, healthy. Feel the gratitude of this Thanksgiving beyond any other Thanksgiving in the past. Gratitude for being all together. Gratitude for all being healthy. Gratitude for the lessons learned. Gratitude for the relationships that grew deeper and the love that is between you all. Again, my friends, see your spirit team on the other side telling you that you are going to be okay. See them helping you. My friends, God loves you. Your spirit team loves you. I love you. Open up your heart like French doors to all of the unexpected blessings that they're trying to bring into your life right now. May you go forth with your day feeling lighter and living in the high vibration that is God. Go forth in your day surrounded by angels and your spirit team on the other side protecting you. Allow yourself to just be. Allow yourself to live in the high vibrational frequency that is God and carry it with you throughout your day. Friends, I have to have a disclaimer at the end. This podcast is to educate, inspire, and entertain you on your personal journey towards health and happiness. It is not intended to replace care best provided by qualified professionals, and it is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.